Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of the day it is you are joining us for this special Tulsa World Scene podcast. Um, if we could have some, you know, theme music with, you know, breaking news or whatever, we would include it, but we don't have it, so we'll just keep going. Uh, the reason for this is um, my friend and colleague Jimmy Trammell uh, has seen Killers of the Flower Moon and also got the chance to talk briefly with the director Martin Scorsese. Um, so as one of the lucky people who've seen the movie before it officially opens, uh, other than it was three hours and 26 minutes, what was your, th what was your thoughts about, about Killers of the Flower Moon, knowing the book and, and all? Uh, a couple of takeaways as I left the theater. One was just that, uh, sadness. Uh, it's a very sad film. And uh, obviously, it's you know based on real life, so you'd expect it to be a sad story. I, I guess the flip side of just being such a sad film is you you're glad the story is finally being told to the world because you know if not for David Grant's book and this movie, I would not know about this subject, and so would uh, you know who knows how many other people. And uh, the the other takeaway is just that the uh, as, as you mentioned, the length of the film is three and a half hours. Uh, after seeing it, I didn't think that was a uh, a negative. I thought it was a positive that the story is told over three and a half hours to allow you to get full context of all the dominoes that fell during the course of this movie. And in fact, when it finally gets to being, it, it, it's a romance, it's a crime story, it's a courtroom drama. And I thought by the time it becomes a courtroom drama, it could have been even longer because the, the courtroom aspect of it is kind of hurried. So not only are the three and a half hours justified, in my opinion, could have been longer. Mm -hmm. And, and what, you meant, what you mentioned about it being uh, a sad story, and this is something that um, I believe your story uh, uh, from your interview with Martin Scorsese points out, is that this is also for, uh, you know, the Osage Nation, an ongoing story. They're yes. still feeling the repercussions uh, of this basically attack on them, and and as you know, as as uh, we've pointed out in, in other stories, you know, you have descendants of the victims still living, you know, next door, relatively speaking, to the descendants of those who are responsible for these crimes, and it's you know, it, it that that that's. That's something that I think a lot of people have trouble kind of getting their heads around, you know, just because the book, you know, comes to an end because the movie comes to an end. That doesn't mean that the story comes to an end. Yeah, I can't imagine being the descendants of these people who were murdered, some in very savage fashion. Uh, and, you know, seeing these things portrayed on screen of, of your ancestors so that it has to be you know, heartbreaking for these people to go into a theater and see these things unfold. Yeah, um, they, the, 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 the movie places um, at the, uh, the center of it, the, the, you mentioned the love story between, and that's the romance between uh, Ernest and Molly Burkhart played by uh, Lily Goats, uh, Gladstone and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um does that the fact that that you have this 
romance and then this i guess betrayal going on does 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 that does that intensify uh the story for you in a way that that you realize that how personal a story this was yeah personal is, is exactly the right word by choosing to focus on Ernest and Molly and their marriage uh, you put a face faces on this tragedy it's one thing to read about a tragedy that happened 100 years ago it's another thing for that tragedy to have a face or faces. So it seemed like it was exactly the right way to go. And I know one thing they did not want was it to be uh, the flip side of this where, oh, gee, here comes the uh, quote unquote white savior to save the day. It's not that story. It's a different story. Okay. All right. As um, uh, just, just as a movie, uh, uh, how, how well made is it? <laughs> I know that Scorsese, you know, has a puts a puts a high quality product out, but uh, for you, as just you know, a, as a moviegoer, a, a little bit about the experience of, of of just watching the movie and and what they accomplished. I, I think it's really well done. I mean, I've heard of people, you know, call it an epic and speak in, in glowing terms of the film and the performances of the performances. I, my opinion. And uh, granted, I'm, I'm not the chef, but I can tell you if the food tastes good. Uh, just my opinion. I think of the primary actors, the one who stands the best chance of winning uh, hardware, winning awards, trophies, might be De Niro just because his character is just so friggin' evil. Uh, and obviously that gives you a lot to seek your teeth into as an actor when you portray somebody, uh, you know, maybe complex, but also very evil. Now, now I know that Lily Gladstone has made she she has a career you know, has had a career before this, but this is very much her first major carry the film kind of a role. How does she, uh, as a relatively inexperienced actress, and that's that's I, that that sounds pejorative, but I don't mean it that way. I mean. As, as so for somebody who gets people as well known and as admired as De Niro and DiCaprio, how does she stand up uh, to them? They had to find the right Molly, and she is. Uh, I mean, you you feel for her as she loses her family members uh, one by one, and essentially she is alone except for this husband she may or may not be able to trust. Uh, so she she's really fantastic. Uh, I, I would I'd be surprised if she does not get nominated for awards, but they 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 had to find the right Molly to carry the day, and he relied uh, Scorsese relied on her for some improv that shows up in a couple of scenes in the film. So just a great job. Um, are there any uh, moments in the film that you, as uh, an Oklahoman? Uh, kind of, kind of jarred you seeing. Uh, did, were, were there things where things got a little uh, anachronistic, or you see something that, well, no, that shouldn't be there. You know, not really. I, mean, I, I, I watch Reservation Dogs, and I see some spots in Reservation Dogs, and I go, I know this place or that place, and it's, but it's a different sense because that's kind of a joyful series, and at times there is some sad moments in Reservation Dogs, but this, uh, 
uh, I, I was mainly looking for the spots of Pawhuska that I knew were transformed to be 1920s Fairfax, you know, a train station, the downtown area with the dirt roads. And uh, I mean, uh, viewers will feel like they're in 1920s Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, um, as we say, we, we have a story, I believe it appears in, in Tuesday's or it will be in Wednesday's in Tuesday's paper. Um, the, the, yeah, it's it's in this. It was in the Tuesday paper. You're correct. Sorry. Okay. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that uh, that experience? I get. I, uh, obviously, the Tulsa World did not send you to <laughs> the, the the New York premiere, but uh, uh, to tell me a little bit about how that came about and what what came. Were there some things that came out of that that you weren't able to get into the story? Scorsese. Uh, was offered to the media for a global and virtual press conference, essentially a Zoom, except you're seeing him. He doesn't have to see me, which is great for him. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and all the invited media were uh, given the opportunity to submit three questions uh, maximum uh, for consideration that he would answer, uh, whether it was he that chose the questions to answer or the moderator. Uh, he did spend 26 minutes on the Zoom call and got around to answering about six questions. What was six questions? Any of yours? <laughs> none, none were mine. I, I okay. chewed on the ones I wanted to ask, submitted those, but unfortunately, I did not win the Martin jackpot on this deal. Okay. Well, one of the things uh, he does, you do quote him talking about, is about uh, uh, the Oklahoma landscape and how important that was to the success of, of, of telling this story. Um, he makes some comment about, about realizing that the, the landscape while, while beautiful also has a sinister quality to it. Um, have you ever felt that way about uh, wide open spaces in, in Osage County being kind of sinister in a way? You know, that was new for me, but uh, his introduction to Oklahoma is different than mine. I mean, I'm used to wide open spaces, meaning wide open spaces and, you know, do what you will. But it, it was interesting to hear his standpoint that, you know, yeah, it's great that this is, uh, you see this expanse and there's so much wide open territory, all these prairies, but you also are so far away from other people, you can get away with anything you want to get away with, which is what happened 100 years ago. Uh, he did say something. I don't know if he was joking or not. He said, you know, growing up in New York, it's different than growing up in Oklahoma. He said he didn't realize the sunset in the West until he was driving down Sunset Boulevard and saw the sun setting in the West and, and put two and two together like, oh, Sunset Boulevard. I see <laughs> sunset. It makes he had to be joking about this. Correct. I mean, I will. I will. Well, it, 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 it may not have registered, but uh, but. I understand that. Um, I understand that 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 feeling. Um, back in well, it was, it was about twenty years ago. I spent two weeks in New York City, and I remember calling uh, my wife uh, at the end of the first week, mm -hmm. and and saying, "I understand why." I know I can't, I could never live in New York City, is I can't see the sky. Mm, yeah. You know, you, you live out here in Oklahoma. I mean, I'm looking out the window at, you know, a gigantic expanse of sky in the back of several fast food restaurants, but we won't go there. Um, 
and and it it, it was true. You, you when and he grew up in um, Lower East uh, Side. Lower East Side, yeah, New York City. Um, and you don't see the sky. You see slivers. I had the same experience. I, I was had a, I was covering a sporting event out there uh, many years ago, and we stayed at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. And we thought, well, hey, let's all go into to New York City the next day. And the, hey, the sun was out. I dressed like no no jacket, just a short sleeve shirt. Then I get into New York City, and obviously the you're not seeing the sun. You're in the shade all the time. And I, I froze my butt off and bought a jacket <laughs> because uh, you're just in the shade all the time. Exactly. And the the uh, I was uh, I, I I I I can't walk fast anyway, but I couldn't live in New York City because I, everybody would be running over me because people move fast in that place, <laughs> and um, and not and 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 not just in the streets. Um, so it's um, yeah, I, I can I can understand that 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 sense of of, of being overwhelmed by by the sky in Osage County and the, and the, the, the prairies. So, okay. Um, was there a question that you, that you submitted that you wished uh, he had asked? I'm, I'm fortunate. And I am fortunate in the fact that I can remember all three questions I submitted. I can't remember oftentimes what I had for dinner last night, but <laughs> I can remember some stuff. Uh, I submitted, uh, what do you want? the takeaway for people to be for the film. I submitted, uh, it's one thing to read about the Osage in David Grant's book, but an altogether different thing to, to meet them and see them and, and work with them. And I wonder if your uh, perception of the Osage has changed uh, since you made the movie. And then the third question was, and this is the one I would have most liked him to answer, was with such a sad film and sad subject matter, and I've thought about this during the, the movie even. How do you come up with a conclusion to the film that is satisfying to moviegoers and satisfying to the filmmaker? Because as I said, it, it's just so sad. How, what's the conclusion here that you walk away with? It's your you know parting shot of the movie. And they do get very, very creative in, in uh, how they wrap up this movie. I don't want to spoil that. People can sure. see for themselves. But it's very different how this movie wraps up. As you're going to say, satisfying to the moviegoers, satisfying to the filmmaker, but also uh, uh, faithful to the spirit of the people that are being uh, represented in in this story and whose story whose story this is. So, well, um, that's I think all the questions I have for you. Is there anything else that we haven't? Uh, touched on that uh, that we need to or do, do, do you have more uh, killers of the flower moon stories coming out anytime soon or I will have one reaction story based on uh, I will go to the to the theater on Thursday and I will catch people walking out of the cinema and ask them of what their reactions are because you know we all have different reactions so I'm looking forward to see what people have to say about it okay all right well uh, we want to thank you all for listening to us. Uh, for this very special edition of the Tulsa World Scene podcast. And uh, keep uh, reading, <coughs> pardon me, keep reading the Tulsa World, either online at tulsaworld.com or in the physical paper that you can pick up at fine newsstands everywhere. 
I uh, want to thank you all again for listening, and we bid you a pleasant good day. <laughs>